Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. Today, we will start concluding our series on more vision. Somebody say more vision. More vision. Now say it like you mean it. More vision. More vision. Mm. You know, I can see Amy putting her glasses on. That means she's going to see more. <laughs> more vision. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you. We honor you for today. We give you praise for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you that you are a God who does not show favoritism. But everybody that comes to you, you by no means cast away. So we come to you and we expect you to fill our lives with your goodness. To fill our lives with your presence and to fill our lives with the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. More vision. Today I want to talk about, uh, I've entitled it, Zeal for the House. Somebody say zeal Zeal. for the house. house. Hallelujah. Zeal for the house. The story comes from... uh, The book of John in chapter 2, that's where the story comes from. I'm not going to read there. But when Jesus entered Jerusalem, we are told of a story that he went and straight went to the temple. He entered the temple. When he entered the temple, he found money changers. You remember that story? John chapter 2 verse 17. He enters into the temple. He finds there are money changers. They have turned the place into a place of trade. And Jesus got angry with the situation. He was moved in his heart and he decided to kick the money changers out. The Bible says he made a whip and he went after the money changers. And he kicked them out of the house. And whilst he was doing that, he said something. He said, my father's house shall be a house of what? Of prayer. Are you with me? But you have turned it into a den of thieves and robbers. It means whatever was going on in the temple was dishonest. Maybe you should understand the background to this. Why? How come they were money changers, thieves and robbers in the temple? How did that happen? History teaches it this way. You know, in the Old Testament, they used to give sacrifices, doves, all sorts of animals. For some people, it was hard to travel a long distance with doves or with animals to come and sacrifice to God in Jerusalem. At this point in time, especially, it's mainly the sacrifice of doves and all that. So, they came up with a wonderful plan, like we do nowadays. A wonderful plan. Here's the wonderful plan. Come with your money 
and we're going to give you your sacrifices. So in the temple where people that were coming with them, I mean, where pe- people were coming with their money and they would buy the sacrifices and then they would sacrifice it to God. Do you get it? Fast forward many years, the purpose is lost. It is now a money-making scheme. I think, there's no evidence for this, but I think the priests were in on this. Because if, if you know about this, the, the, the history of the temple, it was a restricted place. It wasn't a community center for everyone. The high priests had full control of the temple. So they are in on this deal. They are making money. It's now turned into a money-changing thing. It's, it's become a trading place. And I'm sure the temple is making money off this. The least that could be happening is that the temple is charging tax. Right? So they're making money. They think they're blessing the house of God for all nations by housing these businesses in the temple. And here Jesus turns up and he says, no, no, no. Totally wrong. Kicks them out. You know, we should be careful, very much careful, when we begin to just focus so much on, oh, we should be profitable. We should generate finances. We should, and to an extent that money begins to rule what we do as a church. We should be very careful. Because look where they ended up. They turned it into a house for what? Merchandise. And Jesus says this is thievery, robbery, <laughs> unacceptable. And he kicks them out. Hello? That's just as a side note. But you see, why am I quoting this part of scripture? Because the disciples, when they saw what Jesus did, they said, the Bible says, they remembered that it is written that zeal for your house will consume him. You get it? They decided that the reason Jesus is doing this It's because he has zeal for the house of God. As it is what? Written. Where is it written? Turn with me to Psalm 69 verse 9. That's where it is written. Psalm 69 verse 9. I read the New King James Version if you're there. It says, because zeal for your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. That's what they were quoting. Let me read you from the Passion Translation. It says, my love for you has my heart on fire. My passion consumes me for your house. Nothing will turn me away. Even though I endure all the insults of those who insult you. My love for you has my heart on fire. Nowadays when you see such a line, it's usually in a, in a song. 
and that love is targeted towards a boy or a girl. You know, most of what people are now calling love is really worshipping one another and worshipping the spirit of lust. I won't go there. But be careful with these songs. Be very careful, because they're just like, they say great things about a girl, greater than they've ever said about God. Can I talk to you a little bit? It's nice to have this romantic man or romantic woman in your life and they say great things. But if all they say is great things about you and never about God, you're in trouble. (laughs) He says, my love for you has my heart on fire. I have zeal for you. They put that down as the reason Jesus did what he did. What does that mean? Before I begin to talk about the vision for this house. It means for God's vision and purposes on earth to happen, people with zeal are needed. Hello? For Jesus to carry out the purpose of God in the house of God, he needed to have zeal. Somebody say zeal. What is zeal? Zeal is passion. The fire within you. You know? The fire in your belly. (laughs) As the old Pentecostals would say. Zeal is, 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 is the drive that is breathed in you. The desire to go or to do something about something. Hello? Zeal. And, and the Bible is teaching us here that zeal is, is, is what was driving Jesus in doing something that it's so hard to understand of him. Because we understand him as this, this soft person, the lovely Jesus, hallelujah. You know, I will meet all your needs. You know, I, I want you to understand if, you, if people have misrepresented Jesus. If you look at a healing ministry, anybody with a healing ministry as crazy as Jesus' healing ministry was cannot be that gentle. Have you tried to heal somebody? <laughs> a healing ministry is, 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 is a ministry that involves boldness, fearlessness. It involves a person who's on the go. A person who's, who can... Break through the crowd and go to the person that is dead and raise them back to life. Jesus was not as, 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 as soft-spoken as we like to put him. Hello? He was gentle, yeah. But he was not as, as you know, very soft as we think. If that's not enough, then look at this story. When he enters the temple and he kicks out money changers. You want to go try it? Go to the Trinity Market in town. And let's see how strong you are. It takes somebody with some strength as well to do that. To get in there. I think he was shouting. I think he was on top of his voice. I think the disciples were like, what is he doing now? I think they were scared. 
When he takes out this and he begins to go after the money, get out, you thieves, you robbers, you have turned my father's house. He's shouting, he's kicking people out, he's turning tables. Very different from the Jesus you, you, you want, right? You want to come in my heart and he comes. He'll come in your life and turn tables. He'll come in your life and turn your life upside down. He is like that. He takes the helm and changes your life. Changes your way of thinking. He is very radical. He's quite extreme in today's language. Because you know where he stands on issues. He's, he's not like walking on the fence. You know where he stands. Hello? But that's, that's, a, that's just a side note. What I'm really borrowing from this is zeal begins to be the reason he's doing all this. So lesson number one. For God's vision to come to pass on earth, people with zeal are needed. There's a vacancy or a vacancy. We need people with zeal. The visions that I've been talking about, God's vision to happen in this city, we need people with zeal. If heaven was to, to, to put out an advert tomorrow in whole Delhi Mail, it would look like this. People with zeal needed to carry out the Father's vision in whole going to need some zeal. Hello? You see, when I was, let me tell you a story. When I was uh, way back, I, I had a short stint in Malawi College of Accountancy. Uh, I, I only had one semester there. I didn't stay long. Uh, accounting is not my thing. I think I was doing it just to prepare to meet Tolly one day. <laughs> so so, so, so I, I was there for about six months. I had a semester there. Uh, when I went to that campus, uh, I found uh, two, th- uh, three other friends of mine. Three other friends of mine, um, and, and, and we loved God. So in that class, we, we, we discovered, okay, there's a class of about 40-something of us, and we discovered there's three, four of us that, you know, I don't know how we found each other, I can't remember, but we found each other, that we, we are Christians and we love God. And uh, it was, the campus was very secular in, in, in nature, you know, they, there was not much of Christian stuff going on. So we decided we're going to put on a meeting at lunch hour, a student Christian organization meeting. So, so when we started talking about that, we found the fourth friend was actually a year, a year ahead of us. He said, yeah, we used to do that. Uh, let's do it together. Okay. These friends, they're still in my life in one way or the other. You know, I'll, I'll even tell you who they are. So, so, so four of us got together. We started meeting every lunch hour. Uh, actually, we did it on Wednesdays only. So we'd meet on Wednesday lunch hour and, and pray together, four of us. And maybe one person would drop in and, and you know, and have a Bible study. And we, 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 we were all just people that wanted to reach the, the, the campus. We wanted to see more people saved in the campus. Uh, we started a Bible study on a Friday night. Uh, I wasn't in the boarding school, so I, I was like coming every day. Two of my friends stayed there. So in their room, we started a Bible study. And it was just the four of us. After a while, 
we found another friend. The fifth one. His name is Frank. Everybody needs a Frank. His name is Frank. Right now he's, 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 he's a pastor. He's an accountant. And I think he's a member of parliament as well. So, so Frank joined our group. When he joined our group, uh, we noticed Frank had so much zeal. The four of us that were there, the first one is, is Henry, a good friend of mine, Henry Banda. <laughs> Henry Banda actually was the MC at our wedding, right here in Hall. The second friend of mine is, is another one called Simon. Simon was the best man at my wedding, right here in Hall. And the third one was a guy called Brian, very awesome teacher of the Word of God. He's still in Malawi. He's, a, he's, 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 he's an accountant. They all became accountants. I'm the only one that left that school. <laughs> and, and when Frank joined us, I'm the fourth one, and then when Frank joined us, Frank had this thing of, why are we talking about reaching the campus? Why don't we just, every lunch hour, get out there and reach and talk to people? And so we all, as awesome as we were, joined Frank in his zeal. And every lunch hour, we did it. We would go out and we would start knocking in people's doors. We would go, people are having a picnic, we would disturb them, we would speak the word of God to them. And within a few months, by the end of that semester, we were gathering 40 to 60 students in our Wednesday meetings. Because Frank had so much zeal. He had so much zeal. He would go into a room and he would start ministering. One time he got in trouble because he got into this room. There was about eight, six girls in there. And he started ministering. And they didn't want him there. So he locked the door. <laughs> it's not his room. Somebody else's room. He locked the door. And he kept preaching. <laughs> he was crazy. He had so much zeal. <laughs> the amount of places we had to go and get him out of there. <laughs> but because of his zeal, we managed to reach a campus. I was only there for six months. They continued after that. And they have stories of what God did. You know, and most of these friends of mine found wives right in there. <laughs> Amazing, right? Now, listen, zeal is needed to accomplish the visions of God. What God wants to do in the city, this city, needs people with zeal. Hello? What God wants to do in this church needs people with zeal. Hello? This church right now needs somebody to catch some zeal. Are you hearing me? But also, let me add this. The Bible also says zeal without knowledge is not good. Hello? You can find that in, uh, in Proverbs 19 verse 2. Even zeal is no good without knowledge. And he who hurries his footsteps misses the mark. So, we don't just need people with zeal. We need people with zeal and knowledge. God needs people with zeal... And knowledge. But we're not talking about head knowledge. We're talking about revelation knowledge. Experiential knowledge. 
people that have encountered God and have a zeal for God. Are you going to be one of those? Those are the people God needs to carry out his visions in this city. Or wherever he is. Amen? I've talked a lot about heavenly vision and all that. But today I really just want to bring it down to you to understand. We need to catch some zeal and some revelation knowledge. Uh Zeal is not taught, it is caught. Zeal is not taught, it is caught. I can't teach you zeal. But sure you can catch it. Because zeal is a fire. As fire is naturally, so is zeal in your soul. Literally. Zeal is the fire of the soul. Hello? And you can catch it. God can set your soul on fire. This is the kind of encounter I want you to believe God for. That he will release an encounter in you that will leave you so zealous. That's the vacancy that is in in the city. God wants people that have encountered him and have become very zealous for him. Otherwise, you can learn about vision and what God says and what, what, what. But listen, God wants people that have encountered him and have been left with a fire in their belly. They begin to speak like Jeremiah said. Fire shut up in my bones. They begin to say, I can't, who am I to resist what God is doing? I can't just keep quiet like the apostles said. You're telling us to shut up. How can we shut up about what we've experienced? We can't just keep quiet. Zeal has arrived. Are you with me? When you catch the fire, oof, this is turning out to be a fire conference today. But when you catch that fire, it is a real fire. It is as real, perhaps more, even more real than the fire you see when you light up a bush. This is a fire. When you catch this fire in your spirit, you can't shut up. When you catch this fire in your spirit, you go. You see people and you know you have to talk to them. And you know you have to do something. Are you with me? When you catch this fire, you, your analytical brain, eh, it, 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 it just freezes. Gets fits. I want God to release an encounter in your life today. That will leave you on fire for him. You just be on fire because you have experienced something that you can't shut out of your life anymore. Hallelujah. So there's a vacancy. People with zeal and knowledge. Are you going to be one of them? God, I want an encounter. I want zeal and knowledge. So I want us to take a moment and just pray right now. Zeal and knowledge. Fill me with your zeal and with your knowledge. 
I want revelation knowledge. I want to experience you in a way that I cannot keep quiet. I want to experience you in a way that it will leave a fire in me, in my heart. As it is written in Psalm 69, verse 9, that will become true over my life. That my love for you has set my heart on fire. My passion consumes me for your house. Nothing will turn me away, even though I endure all the insults of those who insult you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now you will notice it says zeal for the house. The house of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the house of God. Which makes us the house of God. And this begins to be the house of God. Because we, the house of God, are in this place. The Bible refers to us as the church, not in too many places. But it refers to us as the house of God in so many places. We are the house of God. So when, when we're saying zeal for the house, we're talking about zeal for the church. Zeal for what God is doing in the church. Amen? Oh, I want to catch a fire. Amen? I just want to catch a fire. How else do you do what we do for 52 weeks of the year unless you catch a fire from God? How else do you endure the insults that, that people might release upon your life because you're a Christian unless you catch a fire for God? How else are you, gonna, are, are you really going to manage to minister to people and some of them spit right in your face and you turn and minister to the next one unless you catch a fire? How else are you going to do it when you're working 70 hours a week and you, you, you're tired unless you catch a fire? Don't rush. God is not asking you to quit your job. He's asking you to catch a fire. And you can do amazing things with your 70 hour a week job. Unless you catch a fire. How else are you going to do it if you have you know, people in authority in your workplace that just hate everything you stand for as a Christian? Unless you catch a fire. Because where there is a fire, nobody can deny. When it's burning, it's burning. May God put a fire in your heart today. I'm going to show you the mechanics of vision and we're going to finish. But may God put a fire in your heart today. Amen. The reason I'm sharing the vision for this house today is so that you may catch a fire. I share the vision, you catch a fire. That's a good deal. I speak the vision, but you catch a fire for it. Amen. Amen. And we're going to see the city transformed. Or we will do our part in transforming many lives in this city. Amen. 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 So I want to talk to you (laughs) now about the vision for this house. Now the working of vision. God has a vision. Now, I've spent time talking about this. God's vision, in a nutshell, is this. He wants to fill heaven, and he wants to fill earth as well. He wants to be everywhere. 
Do you get it? So God's vision is to fill the earth and to fill the heavens. That's God's desire. That's what he wants to do. That's why he sent Jesus. So that his presence can come to the earth too. Are you with me? You understand that? Now we already know that God fills the heavens. I see the Lord seated on the throne. Huh? His glory fills the heavens. Are you with me? So God's presence already fills the heavens. So there's no problem there. One time Satan Lucifer tried to go after God. He introduced a sinful thought into heaven. And guess what? Because heaven is filled with the presence of God, no sin can exist in heaven. So that sinful thought of pride was not tolerated. Do you know who fought Lucifer? Have you heard in the Bible? It's not God. It is his angels. God's angels could not tolerate that in the presence of God. So the angels went after him and he was brought down. Are you with me? The presence of God fills the heavens. But it needs to fill the earth too. So in Genesis, he used to come down in the cool of the day and he would talk to Adam. And I think this is one of the things they used to talk about. How are we going to fill the earth with my presence? And when man fell into sin, sin becomes a barrier. Sin becomes the thing that denies the presence of God to men. So if somebody is living in sin, what they are doing is erecting a barrier. The presence of God wants to come to them, but sin denies the presence of God coming. If there is sin in a home, we can have the presence of God, but we are denying the presence of God to take full effect in that home. You understand how sin works? So God decided for my presence to go to the earth, I'm going to send my son and my son is going to deal with the sin once and for all. And so Jesus defeated sin, destroyed sin. We will have time to talk about that next year. (laughs) But he defeated sin, destroyed sin, and the presence of God was released to fill the earth. Whosoever will may come. Forsake your wicked ways, Repent, and you can come. The presence is free. Hello? So Habakkuk prophesied in Habakkuk chapter 2. He said, the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. So the earth too must be filled with the presence of God. Do you get it? So prophet Habakkuk said, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. So there is a prophetic word that the presence of God will fill the earth. Did you get it? Let me explain to you what it means. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The knowledge, not just awareness. The word used for knowledge there is, 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 is that Hebrew word, yada. You know, and that is an H. You know, that word is the same word used for an Adam knew his wife and she conceived. 
So you get the knowledge that he's talking about. Intimate experiential knowledge. So now we'll read that prophecy again. And the entire earth shall have an intimate experience of God's presence and his glory. Like the water covers the sea. Can you, can you, can you imagine that? Yeah. The people you know will have an intimate experience of God's glory. The people you know, the people you think they don't care about God. The prophecy says they will have an intimate experience of God's glory. Are you going to believe the prophet? Yeah. That's how God is going to cover the earth with his presence. So there is hope for your relatives. Amen. There is hope for my relatives. <laughs> there is hope for your neighbors. Amen. Because there is a prophetic word that is very clear. And the people of the earth will have an intimate experience of God's glory. Are you with me? Yeah? God wants to fill the earth. Now, how is this outworked? It outworks like this. Number one, God decided to fill the person called Jesus Christ. So in Colossians, in Colossians chapter one, I'm working hard. I feel like I'm in a classroom right now. In Colossians chapter one, verse 19, the Bible says, for God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ Jesus to the world. The world, do you get it? The King James puts it this way. For it pleased God that the fullness of the Godhead should dwell in him, meaning Christ Jesus. So God's plan is, I want to fill the earth. How are we going to do this? He fills Jesus with himself. Jesus comes filled with God. The fullness of God dwelt in Christ. You get it? So Jesus comes into the earth. Jesus then decides to fill the church with himself. You get it? The house of God. So the church is now filled with Christ. If the church is filled with Christ, the church is filled with God himself. The fullness of God. You get it? It's simple, simple mass, right? God wants to fill the earth. He decides, I'm going to fill my son and then send my son to the world. And when Jesus comes, he fills the church with himself. I'm not saying things from my head. It's in Ephesians 1.23. It says, let me read it from the message translation. It says, at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. By which he fills everything with his presence. So two things are said there. Christ fills the church with himself. The third thing that's happening is that through the church, he fills the world with his presence. You get it? 
So the prophecy of Habakkuk is no longer just in the air. God has actioned and there is a plan working right now. The plan is he filled him, himself into Christ. Christ fills the church. The church fills the world. So we fill the world. Because we go to different workplaces. We live in different places in the world. So the church literally fills the world. But it must fill the world with his presence. With Christ. You get that science, right? And that vision is the big picture from which we come and find what God has called us to do as a church. The number one thing God has called us to do as a church, this church, he has called us to fill the world with his presence. That's the number one thing. Presence first. Are you with me? You get how this is working? So the prophecy is already in action. The prophecy by Habakkuk is already in action. God is filling the earth with the knowledge of his glory. By filling Christ, which he did already. And we, when we come to Christ, Christ fills our lives. Fills the church. And we, as the church, fill the world already. So the presence. So the more people get added to the church, the more the world gets filled with the presence of God. The more people get added to the church, the more the world is filled with the presence of God. Do you understand this? You get it? So, this is what we are doing. And this is how we are outworking it in this church locally as our vision. I want you to, to capture this. Ezekiel 47, I'm going to read from verse 1. I'm reading the English Standard Version. And this is where we're going to go towards an ending of this session. Ezekiel 47. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits, about 450 meters, I think, and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and he led me through the water and it was a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. Verse 7, as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other side. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish, for this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Verse 10, fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engadi to Enneglem. Interesting word. It will 
be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. Be, they are to be left for salt. Verse 12, and on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month. Because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing for the nations. Hallelujah. So I remember when, when we were praying, especially me, when I started praying to say, what does God really want us to do uh, in terms of this church and what direction shall we take? What is God really saying? I remember going back to read the scripture because this is the very scripture from which really God challenged me to step out and begin to do ministry the way I've been doing the past years. And so I remember going back to this in 2013, 2014 and, 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 and praying. And, 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 and as I'm reading there, I'm reading the threshold and God spoke to me, said, I want you to call this place the threshold. Because from it, I want to release a river that goes into this city. And so this is where we took the name Threshold. Are you with me? Because it explains the things that God really wants to do. From the Threshold, a river was birthed. And this river represents the presence of God. Or a people carrying the presence of God. Oh, the Holy Spirit carrying the presence of God. Whichever way you describe it, it is, represents the presence of God. Hello? And so it would be wrong for us to go and collect a vision from somewhere else. Our vision really is here as a church. What is happening at the threshold? I want you to, to think about three things. Three things. Three things. Number one, what's happening at the threshold is that we see the presence of God beginning to flow. We see a move of God. Are you with me? We see a move of God. What is happening at the threshold? Number one, a move of God. The presence of God begins to flow. So in this place, we must see the presence of God. It must become our number one value. Hello? We're not here to just have church, have some great time, have fellowship with one another, eat some cake like we'll be doing, I think, today. Uh, but we're not here to just do that. But we are here because we are hungry for the presence of God. If you are, say yay. Yeah, most of you are not hungry for the presence of God. Come on. <laughs> I told you in the presence of God there is fullness of joy. If you are really hungry for the presence of God, say yay. That's what we're doing here. We want the presence of God in our lives. A few days ago, I was asking my children, Zengi, uh, only Zengi and Zoe, we were sat in the living room, and I said, what things do we value in this house? And some of the questions they answered, that the answers they gave me made me think, mm, I'm not doing things right. Ask your children that question. What do we value in this house? I want my children to answer it like this. The first thing we value in this house is the presence of God. That's the first thing. Not your education, 
not your money. The first thing we value is the presence of God. Because if you know the presence of God, you will go everywhere with the presence of God. When we take you and throw you in that university, you will go with the presence of God. Are you with me? How many know universities are not really very, very good places for breeding Christians nowadays? <laughs> so Peter, this is for free for you because you'll be going to uni in September. You know, they're, not, they're, they're not tailored in such a way that your faith will be promoted. If you're not careful from the first lecturer you meet <laughs> to the last, you know, it's tailored in such a way that it will make you question your faith. But I want you to always remember, those, it's a human institution. It's human reasoning at its best. That's all? That's all. Hello? And it doesn't matter what course you take. You can take a theology course if you like. It, it, it's still going to trouble you. Because it's, it, it's not tailored in such a way as to promote your faith. Nobody, no university says, come here. We will make your faith grow greater. So don't go expecting that. But it's very important for me that you go with the pres- understanding the value of the presence of God in your life. When you sit alone in that room of yours, you're saying, hey, I can't do without the presence of God. And that begins to be the real reason you do things. Are you with me? Number one, what's happening? The presence of God at the threshold. There must be the presence of God at this threshold as well. Number two, what's happening? A man is asked to step into what God is doing. You see, the angel did not say to Ezekiel, watch the river now. Now watch it and just watch it. Eh? Look where it's going. The Bible says the angel took him by the hand and took him into the river. I don't know what he was thinking at this point. What's going to happen? Is this man going to baptize me or drown me or teach me to swim? There's only a few things, right? <laughs> There's only a few things. Somebody drags you into water. I can't swim, so I will be more careful. If you said, Pastor, you come and you put me in water, I'll be like, it's either I'm baptizing you because <laughs> I don't swim. Rapture, rapture is going high. Jesus, it has nothing to do with swimming. <laughs> My wife challenged me actually because it was a few years ago. We both couldn't swim, and she decided she's gonna do lessons now so she can swim. So they'll go out. So every time we go out, this guy, if we go to, if we go somewhere and these guys find a swimming pool, as my daughter loves a swimming pool, she doesn't like a hotel without a swimming pool. <laughs> so we go and these guys go swimming. I'm just like, okay, I'll be here. I'll be interceding. <laughs> but I think I'll, I'll, I'll start swimming. When I'm 60. Okay, so, <laughs> so, but you get the idea, right? The presence of God first. Number two, the threshold is a place where people must get into the presence of God. They must get into what God is doing. This is why you come and we, we really want to challenge you. Change the way you're doing life. Change the way you're living. Change the way, you, you've got to, anybody can come just as they are. But the presence of God is going to challenge you to change your life. Hello? People can come just as they are. It, it, really, it really does not matter. They may identify as all the things people are identifying nowadays on the spectrum. You know? All the letters, they are almost taken. 
right? LGBTQXQRSQ. <laughs> you can come as you are. It doesn't matter. You know, you, you can have as many challenges as you can in your personal life, in your behavior, in your family, in your marriage. You can have as many challenges. But I guarantee you, we want a place where people who, like Ezekiel, the angel takes you, puts you in his presence. He's going to challenge you to change the things in your life. That's all. So this place is going to be a place that really welcomes all, but really believes that the presence of God is what's going to transform lives. The third thing happening at the threshold with Ezekiel is that there is a going with the flow. A going out following the presence. Hello? Number one, we're introduced to the presence of God. Number two, the, the person is actually asked to step into the presence of God. Number three, the person is asked to go with the presence of God. Okay? Step into the presence and go with the presence of God. What does that mean? It means as we come together in this church, you and me are not only stepping into the presence of God, but it is wrong for you to go home as if nothing happened. It is wrong for you to go back to work expecting the same things all the time, as if nothing happened. Hello? If you get in water, don't you get wet? Uh-huh. So if this is true, then as we come together like this, we step into the presence of God, you dip yourself in the presence of God, then we go with the presence wherever we go. And wherever we go, whatever was dead begins to work. I want it to be his faith. All it takes is faith. And you will realize you are actually doing this. You are coming. You are dipping in the presence of God. You are walking out with the presence of God. But I want you to have full knowledge. This is what God is doing in this place. He's been doing it for a while. And as you go, wherever you're going, as you go home today, go understanding, I am going with the presence of God. When Ezekiel followed the presence of God, here is what happened. Everywhere he went, huh, he saw things that were dead beginning to be alive. So you're going to go home and, and you're going to believe because you carry the presence of God, be confident that relationships can come alive that have died. Be confident that hopes that have died can come alive again. Because of what? Because you carry the presence of God. Be confident that dreams that look like they are unachievable can be achieved because you carry the presence of God. Are you with me? Huh? Just because of that reason. Believe it. With all your heart, I carry the presence of God. Why? Because at the threshold, Ezekiel is introduced to the presence of God. He is asked to step into the presence of God. And then he is asked to follow the presence of God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, it is because of the presence of God that these three things will help you. 
These are really not really, I know we've captured them as vision, but they are really values that we have in this church. Okay? You are not going to experience the presence of God, stepping into the presence of God, without understanding what that means. Jesus is the source of the river. John 7, 38. Those that believe in me, out of them shall flow rivers of living waters. Hello? So how is God going to ask you to step in the presence of God as you come in this place? Be passionate about following Jesus. We want to be passionate about, hey, we follow Christ. If you want to step in the presence, you're going to be passionate about that. Huh? You're going to drum up some passion for your followership of Jesus. And for that, you're going to... You, 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 we started on zeal, right? Catch some fire. Catch some fire. You know when I feel like my passion is waning, what I do is listen to some stories of some people that really are on fire. Meet with some people that are really on fire. This year we've particularly enjoyed going to that weekend that we do with, with Steve Upo. It's a, it's a good weekend because there's many of us. There's about 15 of us, 14, 15 or so. Yeah, about 15 of us, you know, couples and all that. And, and in a group of 15 ministers, at least one will have some fire. Yeah? Yeah? Every time you meet, at least, at least, there will be someone with fire. And so it's awesome. When you meet, every time you meet, you come out energized. Feels great. It's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go again. Passionate. Take care of your passion for Christ. I know you're a follower for Christ, but you need to guard your passion for him. Because the world is really trying to take you, take that passion away from you and tell you it's okay. It's okay. We know what you believe. It's okay. Just get around people. Keep people around you that are passionate for Christ. People that are doing awesome things for Christ. Listen to some stories. There's so many blogs nowadays. There's so many, there's so many people that you can listen to. And you, know, you, you, just hear, you can think God is not moving until you meet somebody that's got a story of what happened yesterday. But there are many people like that. That will say, hey, you can't believe what happened. God just did this. Oh, really? Wow. And that's how you keep your fire burning. Hello? You can't claim to be a passionate, passionate, passionate follower of Christ. And yet, you don't have the fire keepers around you. Do you know those people that keep the fire with you? Yeah. This is where fellowshipping with other believers becomes important. You've got to have some fire keepers around you. Follower. Follow Christ. And people who follow Christ passionately, it will keep you in the presence of God. Love. I don't need to say much because God is love. God is love. If we're going to keep this vision of staying in the presence of God, stepping in the presence of God together, then this value has to be held high. Love. Walking in love. God himself is love. You've got to fight to walk in love. Are you with me? You've got to fight to walk in love. You know, and, and, and I mean it. You know, it's, 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 it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come natural. Just forget about that. You've got to fight to walk in love. And that, the, the, the first principle you've got to teach yourself is 
the love of God. I need God's demand is that I use his love. Not my love, because it won't work. Your love will leave you oftentimes disappointed, frustrated. The love of God does not depend on how you feel. It's the love of God. And you've got to become an expert in sharing in the love of God with people. Are you with me? But you've got to fight to love. Nowadays we are faced with every challenge. Every challenge. But you've got to fight to love. I don't have time. I skip. I just go to the last one. I will explain this another day. Lead. This is all about, hey, Ezekiel, you're going to lead people to the waters where you saw life. Amen? You're going to lead people to the presence of God. How are you going to do that? It's very simple to lead people to the presence of God. It's really very simple. You can start with prayer. It's really very simple because it's the presence of God. It does not depend on you drumming it up, making it happen. It just depends on you trusting that you carry the presence of God. So if I come to your house, I really believe I carry the presence of God to such an extent that I'll pray a blessing over your house. I do that deliberately. Whose house have I not been to and I've never prayed a blessing in their house? Oh, your new one. Oh, your okay, your new one. I'll come. Oh. <laughs> but but you get the idea. You also your new house, eh? I'm yeah. coming. Okay. But if when I come to your house, I would deliberately play pray a blessing over your house because I believe I carry the presence of God. You gotta do the same. Imagine if we just did that. It's as simple as that. Just, just, just believe we carry the presence of God and lead people into the presence. Well, I brought a river with me, so I will lead you into the river. So let's pray. Hey, let me just pray over you. Hey, be quick to offer prayer. It is awesome. You know, be quick to offer prayer, but not too quick to pray. Let me explain what I mean by that. Be quick to say to people, hey, let me, let me just pray for you. And usually people say, yes. And you close your eyes and don't start praying. And just hear God for a moment. Mm-hmm. They've closed their eyes, you've closed your eyes. Now you can hear God. Be quick to do things like that. Like, hey, hey shall we just pray? And, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if, uh, well, well, I don't mind. Usually people just are home. They waffle. They just don't know what they're going to say about that. So, oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, let's pray. <laughs> and they go pause in their prayer position. Some are looking at you. So it's fine. Just then hear God now for a moment. Just go like, yeah, shall we go with this prayer? You don't always have to know what you're going to say. You can just say, let's pray. And then God will show you what you're going to say. But you're going to lead people in the presence of God. If we make that a habit, we will lead so many people in the presence of God. I'm telling you. We will lead so many people in the presence of God. You will bring the presence of God anywhere. If you understand that. Leading people to God is leading people to his presence. 
It's not Bible bashing people, telling them they're going to hell. Just bring the presence of God. And you see, I'll be wrong if I don't finish by talking about this challenge. I know I've joked about the LGDP, whatever community. But listen, uh, it's a challenge that we have. But it's only a challenge if your way of preaching the gospel is people, you're going to hell. You are in sin. You're going, that is sin. That is sin. Then it's a challenge. It's a challenge for you. Because you you're, your specialists are judging people. It's not a challenge if you bring the presence of God to people. I'll close by reiterating the story that I had recently. It was given by Bobby Houston, Brian Houston's wife, at the Houston conference. She said, she said uh, one time she was on a plane and she was chatting to a young man, very smartly dressed young man, you know, and, and she's chatting with him and they just like really got on really well. Until it got to the question of what do you do? And, and, and so she went, okay. So she explained that she's, 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 she's a pastor and, you know, and, and they're involved in church and all that and all that. And as soon as she mentioned that, she says the young man froze. And, uh, and when she inquired some more, he turned around and he says, well, I'm gay. As if she had said anything about that. She said, I struggled with it for a moment. I said, what do I do? What, what am I going to do? And, and she says, he really shut himself. And we went from chatting and laughing, cracking jokes to he's just like, like I've said something. Uh, and she says, so I prayed a little prayer. I said, God, what shall I do? How should I engage this young man? And she says, uh, God, just, just, I just felt Jesus really speak to me to say, tell him what I've done for you. And so she says, as a mother, you know, you know she's in her 60s, right? So as a mother, I can, I can, I can get away with a lot of things. So I, I put my hand over his shoulder and held his other hand and said, listen, darling, let me talk to you face to face. And she says, I started explaining to him what Jesus means to me and what he has done. And he just broke down and cried in the plane. She didn't tell us how the story ends, but she taught us this one thing. If you learn to bring the presence of God to people and less arguing about who's right, who's wrong, who was born that way, who was born, it, just bring the presence of God to people. God will touch people's lives. I'm telling you, think about this way. It, it, it's not really as big a challenge as we think it is. It's a challenge because we want to argue with a Muslim. It's a challenge because we want to argue with a person because they said they're gay. We want to really argue. And as if that will solve anything. Like somebody will say, can you imagine it? Will somebody say, you've convinced me. That's it. Are you ever going to get to that result? No. The presence of God. You argue on the street with a Muslim. Is he just going to say, oh, you've convinced me. Wow. Now, all my years of Islam have stopped now because, oh, wow, your explanation. I've never heard it. <laughs> but sometimes you see people passionately arguing like they're going to have that result. The result comes when Jesus comes on the scene. When the presence of God is released. Challenge people. Say, you know what? I will not have answers to all your questions. But one thing I know, if we pray right now for the presence of God... God will touch your heart.
God can do something. Challenge your people like that. Say, how about if we just ask God this question you're asking me right now? And let's just pray. The presence of God will touch, will come. This stuff is real. It's not theoretical. God is working in people's lives. It's real. Act like it's real. Because it's real. It's us who are acting like it's not real. It is so real. Just bless them with his presence. Bless people. You are a presence carrier. Come and stand with me. Hallelujah. So our vision is simple as threshold church. We step into the presence. We carry the presence of God. That's it. That's it. That's the reason we follow Christ. That's the reason we're walking in love. And that's the reason we're going to lead many into his presence. We step into his presence and what? Carry his presence. Hello? So today you just step into his presence. And as I've been speaking, my faith was such that God will put a fire in your heart. To say, yeah, why am I not... Taking advantage of the presence wherever I go. Why am I not bringing the drink of water that I really carry to the people around me? Why? Jesus said to that woman at the well, if you knew who you were speaking to, you would have asked him for a drink. You guys have got drinks for people. You owe them those drinks. The presence of God. They got to take part in the presence of God. We owe them that. Let's begin to take that. Are you with me? Let's begin to just really believe. This is no pressure. It's not about skills of evangelism. It's just you going home and saying, I have the presence of God. And when people gather around you, whether they want to have an argument with you, just say, hey, shall we just pray? Because I just believe in the presence of God. And, and, And just pray. Just take a moment and just pray. And you will see God begin to do what God does. When you invite him, he comes. He comes. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in him. And he will direct your paths. Delight in him. He will give you the desires of your heart. Father, we stand in your presence, desiring your presence. God, as we have spoken about the vision and the zeal for the house, burn our hearts with the fire for your praises, a longing, a thirst, a zeal for your presence. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. Those that are here now, those that will listen to this podcast that we do. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you may cause a fire for your presence to arise in our hearts. That it shall be true what is written in Psalm 69 verse 9. That our hearts can be consumed with a fire for you. Oh God. As we leave this place tonight, this evening, God, we ask that, God, may we go as a people more on fire for you than we were when we entered this room. 
Abba Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. We expect to see your power, your kingdom in our lives, your glory. Your will be done. We expect to see ourselves partnering with your will to heal, to save, to deliver, to bring joy to people's lives. On earth as it is in heaven, wherever we go, we want to partner with your will, O oh God. Give us each day our daily bread. We expect, mighty Father, that all the needs will be met in your presence. All our needs are met because of heaven. The banks of heaven are supplying our lives. They are open towards us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, we partner with the spirit of grace to be able to walk in freedom from condemnation and to free others from what condemns them. For there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Lord, we expect to walk in freedom from any demonic influence. We expect to walk, mighty Father, in freedom from any demonic oppression. Yes. Our lives are demon-free zones in the name of Jesus. Yes. Wherever we go, we are delivered from evil. No temptation shall cause us to wreck our faith. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Glorify yourself. Glorify yourself. Glorify yourself. In Christ Jesus we pray.
Don't rush. God is not asking you to quit your job. He's asking you to catch a fire. And you can do amazing things with your 70 hour a week job. Unless you catch a fire. How else are you going to do it if you have you know, people in authority in your workplace that just hate everything you stand for as a Christian? Unless you catch a fire. Because where there is a fire, nobody can deny. When it's burning, it's burning. Hmm. May God put a fire in your heart today. I'm going to show you the mechanics of vision and we're going to finish. But may God put a fire in your heart today. Amen. The reason I'm sharing the vision for this house today is so that you may catch a fire. I share the vision, you catch a fire. That's a good deal. I speak the vision, but you catch a fire for it. Amen. And we're going to see the city transformed. Or we will do our part in transforming many lives in this city. Amen. So I want to talk to you now about the vision for this house. Somebody bring me the, the follow that's in... Uh, Jose, just bring that banner. I want all the banners up here. And, 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 and I'm going to have a chat with you about this. The vision for the house. Hallelujah. As they're bringing that, let's go to Ezekiel 47. And well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk Ezekiel forty seven. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Jose, just put it right here. Thank you, Jose. Hallelujah! I'm gonna share a vision. You're gonna catch a what? Fire. That's the deal, right? Yeah. I share a vision. You catch a fire. Amen. I'm so excited about this. Ezekiel 47. 10 there, we're going to read the first few verses in there. We're going to read, I think, 12 verses. Zeal, 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 zeal. Hallelujah. As I share this vision for the house, I want you to understand how vision works. Actually, I'm, going to, I'm just going to be very practical. I'm going to take you to class. Pastor Bright, just please get the board, the, 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 the board that we use, if you can. You know, if you can, that will be helpful. I'm going to take you to class, because I'm going to show you how vision is actually working, so that we see the big picture begins to be very important. Where do we sit as a church in this city? Do we dream up our own vision, collect some fancy words, <laughs> 